This week on Wrestling Hindsight, Styles turns heel, Owens turns face, and we tell you all our likes and dislikes about Fighter Fest. All that and more on Wrestling Hindsight. Wrestling Hindsight Podcast. Wrestling Hindsight Podcast. Wrestling Hindsight. Wrestling Hindsight podcast hello everybody and welcome to episode 53 of wrestling hindsight i'm your host as always jason sklar joined by my co-host big steven jacks and we're coming to you on july 3rd one day early than we usually do on our normal thursday spot because tomorrow's the fourth of july and we ain't recording this on july 4th say hi dad Hi, everybody. This is Big Steven Jacks uh, on this beautiful Jul- uh, July 4th Eve we have here. And we've got a we've got a very good week of wrestling to, to review. Raw was uh, Raw was exciting and electrifying, you might say. Uh, Smackdown was pretty good and all kinds of stuff uh, leading up to uh, Extreme Rules uh, in, in less than two weeks. Take it away, Jace. Well, some would describe Raw as uh, shocking or even explosive this week. But before we get into WWE action, there was a pay-per-view on Saturday. And that was AEW's Fighter Fest. And um, I, I was able to make time to watch it. Dad, uh, you didn't catch it, correct? No, I didn't catch it. Uh, well... I'm not going to say you didn't miss much. It wasn't as good as Double or Nothing, but I thought it was still pretty good. Um, are you familiar with the documentary um, Fire Fest uh, about the Fire Festival that aired on Netflix and Hulu? No, I'm not. Okay, so the Fire Festival was uh, uh, a festival that was supposed to be held down in a private island in the Bahamas or the Caribbean a couple years ago with... Uh, Billy McFarland, who's a venture capitalist, and uh, Ja Rule running it together. However, they didn't, they've never ran a, a music festival before. They didn't have uh, enough time to set everything up. So they had these, uh, uh, the villas ended up being these uh, FEMA tents. Uh, their gourmet meals were cheese sandwiches. And it, it was basically, for lack of a better term, a clusterfuck. Uh, was, it, was it cheese gourmet at least? I, I don't think so. I think it might have been Kraft uh, Singles. Oh, okay. Um, but the the reason I bring that up is because Fighter Fest is uh, the premise of this show is actually a spoof of that show. So during their pre-show, uh, which they call the buy-in, uh, they constantly had um, had uh, little segments and skits where uh, things are falling apart. Uh, they're running out of money. They had to cut some of the models and replace them with mannequins. Uh, they had some of the FEMA tents set up as uh, as part of the set for uh, the band didn't show up, similar to Fire uh, Fire Festival. Uh, so so just like just like really good. If you watch the documentary, this added to it, and it was very good storytelling, very good to work it out. Once the actual pay per view started, uh, they didn't really go back to any of the skits. Um, so so it, it was very well done. That that was really good. Uh, There's great wrestling on this show it was um uh just about everybody had great matches uh one of the drawbacks i would say is because they've already announced a lot of matches for um next week's show fight for the fallen right here in jacksonville florida um a lot of these matches were predictable because they wanted to build momentum 
going into uh, Fight for the Fallen. So, you know, you have the Young Bucks and uh, and Kenny Omega win their match because they have a match coming up. You have Adam Page uh, win his match because all, all, all out he has his uh, world title match against Jericho. Uh, he also uh, won uh, uh, the right to face Kip uh, Sabian, who is a British wrestler who's at um, Fight for the Fallen. Uh, the guy who's going to face Kenny Omega, uh, I think it's Sima, uh, a Japanese guy, also beat Christopher Angel. And it was just a, a little predictable. It wasn't it wasn't in a bad way. But, you know, for something, for a new uh, f- federation or um, wrestling conglomerate, it, it's, uh, it, it's kind of hard to be that predictable with it. Uh, some of the things I did like were uh, I liked the idea of using time limits. Uh, just about every match, there was an announced time limit. Uh, some matches went within five minutes of the time limit expiring. And the match between Cody Rhodes and uh, Darby Allen, actually, the time limit actually expired, which was really good. Both guys looked strong. You could see them rushing as the time limit was announced and coming to an end. And uh, I think it was a two count when uh, when the time limit ran out. Darby Allen is uh, one of those crazy guys who uh, hurts himself for fun. At one point, he did a trust fall off of the top rope onto the apron when Cody rolled out of the way. Uh, It it, it looked really painful. Uh, Anyway, my next point is uh, after this match, uh, Cody and uh, Darby were both uh, trying to talk the referee to restart the match and give him five more minutes to finish up when Sean Spears gets in the ring and clobbers Cody with a chair over his head, unprotected. So an unprotected chair headshot, which was uh, pretty gruesome. Cody gushed blood from the back of his head. Uh, reports are he had 12 staples, but no uh, uh, no concussion. Uh, That's good. When, you, when you have blonde hair like that, though, the, the blood uh, is emphasized a little bit more. Yeah. Um, it, it was pretty gruesome, uh, according to reports by, I believe, Tony Khan and maybe uh, the Young Bucks that may have weighed in on it as well. The chair was supposed to be gimmicked, but apparently something went wrong where the chair hit Cody wrong, uh, leading to the cut on his head, a big gash in the back of it. Okay, what I would say first about the uh, having unprotected chair shots is a bad idea because of the possibility for concussions. Okay. Now, one thing I can say good about WWE is that they, they were the first ones to take, to take precautions on that. And that was due to the Benoit uh, situation. Okay. But, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, banging the head, uh, incessantly with, uh, chairs and stuff like that. That's a good way to shorten a career and since and uh, make somebody go crazy. You're right. It was one chair shot though, and yeah. um, it, it it added to the show. Uh, it, it added to the upcoming feud. I'm assuming between Sean Spears and Cody Rhodes. Uh, the chair was supposed to be gimmicked, or it was gimmicked. So, uh, you know, I'm get I'm guessing what uh, maybe the middle of the chair was weakened, uh, more like a cookie sheet material. To where you can get hit in the head all day and it really wouldn't hurt that much, but it, you know, it looks like it would. Um, so, you know, I, I think this was nearly worst case scenario, maybe second worst case scenario. 
But you know, if Cody's okay, I'm I'm okay with this once in a while. I don't want to see another incident like Mick Foley and The Rock, where he takes about thirty chair shots to the head while he's mm-hmm. handcuffed. Um, also, at the end of the night, they had an unsanctioned match between Joey Janela and uh, John Moxley. Um, this was uh, akin to a death match. There was uh, steel chairs with barbed wires. Each of them had a barbed wire board they pulled out from underneath. Uh, maybe the most gruesome and innovative spot I saw in the match was at one point uh, uh, Moxley took off Janela's shoes and gave him an atomic drop on the thumbtacks feet first. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, uh, the way they played this up was brilliant. Um, you know, they they said this is not going to be a sanctioned match, so we're not liable. Uh, even right before the match, they said we're going. You know, after the main event, which was the six man tag between the Lucha Brothers and um, God, I can't remember the third guy, L something okay. uh, versus the Elite, which is the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, who were all dressed up like Street Fighter guys. Right. Right. Um. You know, they said they're going to turn off, turn off the lights to end the, the show, and then they're going to turn it back on and have the unsanctioned match, which I thought it added the pomp and circumstance to it that made it feel like something different and important. Um, both these guys tore each other apart. It, it was great. Um, I, I would go back and see if you can find uh, that match. And then the, dust, uh, the Cody Rhodes, which apparently is just going by Cody now, which I think is stupid. Keep the Rhodes name. Yeah, really. And, yeah. Uh, and um, Darby Allen, I would go back and watch both of those. Those are probably the two best matches. Their buy-in, they had three matches on the buy-in, not really too much talking on, on the show. Um, uh, all three matches I thought were pretty good. They had a women's match. Uh, they opened it up with a six-man tag match, but it was a triple threat tag team match. And uh, you had um, SCU, the best friends, and then... I, I can't remember what the the other tag team's name, but there were a couple of black guys. Uh, they were supposed to be like uh, like um, the elite millennial party goers. Uh, so they were dressed like they're going to the club, and one guy wrestled half the match wearing his sunglasses, and they were doing amazing athletic stuff. It was phenomenal. Um, I, I wish I could remember their names or the tag team names, but definitely I'd go check that out as well. And then uh, the the only the other two drawbacks that I would say about the show is I thought the announce team uh, wasn't as polished as it should be when JR's on it. Um, he seemed to kind of fumble around. I thought um, Excalibur was great, and they also had um, uh, a guy who from the gaming uh, company that they were co-sponsoring the pay-per-view with, uh, CEO Games, which I've never heard of before, who was on it. That guy's name is Golden Boy. He was on there, too. And Jim Ross, I, I just don't think he has a name where I'd rather see a, a young guy come up or even a Joey Styles uh, come up to call these matches because I feel like JR is just not a, into it as much anymore. Well, maybe he had an off night. Maybe. Uh, I felt the same thing about Double or Nothing, though. I feel like he he's kind of fumbling around. And at the end of his WWE run, I felt like he, he seemed a little lost out there at times, too. Uh, anyway, before we move on to WWE stuff, uh, I have an opinion about Kenny Omega that is obviously not a popular one. I don't know if you've seen any Kenny Omega matches. No, I haven't. People tout him as the one of the best wrestlers in the world, maybe the best. Um, I think he's overrated. Please Why do you tweet think that. 
please tweet me at WrestlingHS316 and let me know why I'm wrong. Uh, here's why I think Kenny's Omega is overrated. Uh, one, because I think his in-ring style comes off as a little sloppy. He does a lot of the high-flying stuff, but it doesn't look as polished as some of the other people who uh, do similar moves, like Seth Rollins, who are similar body types. I feel Seth Rollins is a lot more polished when he's, you know, connecting moves together. Uh, I think his one-winged angel move looks like it's completely, uh, it looks a little too choreographed, where it basically puts him up in a torture rack and then comes around the the front into uh, kind of like a a reverse powerbomb type thing. But in my opinion, I don't like it. And then the other thing, his signature move is the V-trigger, which is basically a running knee strike. And uh, while that's all well and good, I feel he uses the the V-trigger way too much. And uh, most of the match, it feels like he's either trying to hit the V-trigger or go for his one-winged angel, which is the same complaint I have about Roman Reigns. Half the match, Roman Reigns is either going for a Superman punch, just like Kenny Omega goes for the V-trigger, or he constantly goes for the spear, like Kenny Omega keeps going for his finisher. Um, you know, he can still turn me around. I thought the I thought the the Chris Jericho match he had, a double or nothing, I thought Chris Jericho was more impressive than him, and maybe uh, the, the expectations are just set too high for me, uh, being introduced to him. And this one, it was a six-man match, and I felt like he was a, you know, he was a little lacking. And I don't know, maybe he's just off his game, or maybe this is his game, and for some reason everybody else loves it, and Dave Meltzer gives him 20 stars in all his New Japan matches, but uh, so far I'm, I'm not impressed. Do, do you have any thoughts? Have you seen any Kenny Omega matches? No, I haven't seen any Kenny Kenny Omega. I'm going to have to check him out. Uh, you know, I've heard a lot about him. I've heard that he's great, and that WWE tried to get him a couple of times, and he wouldn't sign WWE. Uh, now he's with AEW, so uh, you know we'll see what happens. But you know, I've, I don't have an opinion one way or the other about him yet, and probably won't until I see him. Yeah, I just don't think you know. All my complaints about Kenny Omega, seeing him as this great wrestler, are the same complaints that I and everybody else has on Roman Reigns. So if I have those complaints on Roman Reigns, it's only fair that I feel the same way about Kenny Omega when I see the same characteristics. The difference is uh, AEW is not shoving Omega down your throat. Where They kind of uh, are. How are they shoving it down your throat? He's not He's not in the world title picture right now. He's not in tag he team was, title he, picture yet. First of all, they've only had two pay-per-views, uh, two shows, really, as part of AEW, and he was in the world title picture because the winner of him and Chris Jericho got the world title match at All, all Out. Whatever, and it was Chris Jericho that won it. What everybody else had to do was uh, survive a 21-man battle royal. So he gets the easy street there. He gets it handed to him. Uh, the elite gets the win because they're the owners of the company. He's one of the four primary owners uh, that also wrestle. Okay. I didn't you know, know Omega and, had a stake. And, and then at the same time, you can say uh, uh, Roman Reigns isn't in the world title picture right now either. No, he isn't. And he's busy getting his ass beat by the, by the owner's son. While Kenny Omega is getting his ass owned by the son of a bitch, Chris Jericho. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. But but you know, one, it, one, other th- one other thing I want to touch on there, Cody should not just be going as Cody. It should be Cody Rhodes. The Rhodes name is uh, is wrestling royalty, and that is what makes money. 
Yeah, it's just something I know. Like uh, I noticed when the announcers referred to him, they referred to him as Cody. The graphics showed Cody versus Darby Allen. Uh, when they showed the the preview graphic for next uh, week, um, it was uh, Cody Cody and Dustin Rhodes versus uh, um, the Young Bucks. Uh, they they showed something that showed Cody and Brandy Rhodes. So I don't really know what the deal is there. I agree with you that, but I mean, I mean that's a small thing. Everybody knows Cody is Cody Rhodes. But anyway, uh, before we move on to other news, um, the next pay per view I don't know if it's televised or not. Fight for the Fallen is in Jacksonville on uh, July 13th, the same day WWE is running the Elite uh, or not the Elite, the Evolve 10th anniversary special. Uh, hosting a lot of WWE talent on an Evolve show that's going to be on the network. Um, do you have any thoughts? I don't have a question. Just, do you have well, any thoughts? I know that, I know that the, the uh, Fight for the Fallen is actually a house show. Okay? Uh, as far as, uh, you know, as far as having television for it, I don't know right now. Uh, they might, they might make it, they might make it a televised show. Be, to to go against the uh, Evolve tenth anniversary, I don't know. I uh, I'm not sure that they would do that. I find it interesting you say at the house show because when I was looking at the seating chart because I wanted to see how it was set up and see what the ticket prices were. Um, I think the cheapest ticket I saw was fifty dollars, which seems like a lot for a house show. Uh, for one, number two is there was a, a spot marked off for a camera. Yeah, well, a house house shows can be televised. Okay, but it's uh, it won't be uh, it won't be televised as in pay-per-view style. I don't think. Well, what does that mean? Well, kind of like the difference between a uh, Monday Night Raw and uh, and WrestleMania. Monday Night Raw is not a house show. Yeah, but you know, basically that's uh, you know that's that's what the difference would be. In the old days, they would t- they would have house shows televised. Okay, and it would be on uh, championship wrestling or all-star wrestling and stuff like that. Uh, you wouldn't have all the house shows uh, uh, televised, but you'd have a few of them. Okay, they'd be television tapings, and uh, you know you don't have the same uh, the same uh, shtick going on as you do for uh, for a pay-per-view. Well, I mean, the way they're building this, it sounds like it's going to be uh, the storylines are going to be crucial in this show. To, it will be, you know, leading into All Out. So I'd assume that they'll have some way for people outside of Jacksonville to watch it. That'd be good. Um, YouTube. Yeah. Anyway, let's go ahead and move on to some other news. You can definitely say Raw this week uh, was a little shocking to some people. Yes, you might even say it was the most electrifying show in sports entertainment today. Yeah, there were some explosive fireworks at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure they enough? got a charge out of that. Is that enough? Are we done? Shall we move on? Yeah, I think we, I think we beat that dead horse. Uh, we fe- we fed that we you can't feed the fed horse. <laughs> uh, anyway, though, so raw uh, raw was different this week. Uh, I, I wrote down uh, top five stories here, but there was actually a lot to cover on raw. Um, just to give you an idea, I took uh, 18 notes on stuff that happened on Raw and only eight that happened on SmackDown, in my opinion, uh, or worth taking notes on. Um, 
it just tells you the content. Uh, ideally, it should be about two thirds uh, of uh, notes for SmackDown compared to what I had for Raw. So uh, it's less than that. It's less than half. So anyway, let's start off with how the show started off. And the show started off uh, with Bobby and Braun Strowman in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Uh, this was fantastic. They went all over the building, had some big hits. They battled uh, through the crowd onto the stage. Uh, at one point, Bobby Lashley uh, gives uh, gives Braun a suplex on the stage and goes and poses in front of the LED screens and gets uh, uh, shoulder blocked, tackled right through the LED screens into the electrical equipment. Sparks go flying everywhere. The stage goes out. Uh, Corey Graves yells out a holy shit. Yeah, really. Gets that, that, up. that caught me there. <laughs> gets gets up to check on uh check on them. Uh, he had about a good five minutes of just the camera panning with no commentator speaking, just as the medical crew checks on Bobby and, and Braun. They go ahead and uh, go to commercial. They come back. They're loading the two into ambulances that drive off, and then they return to the show. Uh, great way to start the show. It was very entertaining. Uh, the the downsides, uh, one thing I'll tell you about the upsides is was looking at the, the video they posted on Facebook. One, it, clearly this was part of it. It wasn't an accident this happened. Uh, clearly this is a work because if it wasn't a work, they wouldn't have showed it so many times. Yeah. Would they have continued the show if something tragic like this happened for real and they were seriously injured uh, and it wasn't part of the show? Well, sure, they, they, did it, they did it when Owen Hart died. Absolutely. But the fact that you keep showing it over and over again from different angles screams that it's a work. However, if you go, if you looked at the comments on their Facebook page uh, under this video, uh, it, it was a lot of people saying, "Oh man, I hope they're okay." Oh, it's so dangerous. Stuff like that. Like it seemed like a good number of people thought this wasn't supposed to happen, and they really got carted off in ambulances and were seriously injured. Uh, another thing is I heard that this may have been a way to get Braun off TV for a while because he does need to have surgery on his knee, I think okay. it was. Um, and uh, Bobby was on, uh, uh, did a, a cell phone video on SmackDown the next night. Uh, both these guys need to be off TV for at least after, uh, at least until after Extreme Rules. Well, they said, they, they said that uh, Braun... Uh, has has a ruptured spleen and that would be a good excuse to keep him off uh television okay uh you know so he gets knee taken care of i 100 percent agree with that my, my concern would be if that if they both show up on monday night raw similar to the Sami Zayn thrown in the dumpster and then compacted thing he was on smackdown <laughs> the next night yeah well which completely ruins everything mm-hmm. yeah. uh, surprisingly it wasn't on raw or smackdown this week at all uh, and we, we might talk about that a little later, though. Um, but, you know, it was nice to see Pyro uh, play a part in some way here. Uh, the only other thing I would have done to, to sell this even more, especially since it happened at the beginning of the show, is I would have left um, the Titantron on, but the stage lights and the, on, on the floor and right under the Titantron are uh, quote-unquote broken and went beyond for the rest of the show. And then I probably would have taken some caution tape and taped up that hole. Yeah, that would have been nice. And then had um, when other wrestlers came out for their match, like the New Day, who I believe came out 
as part of the next match after this against the Viking Raiders, look at the whole Big E and Xavier Woods. Look at them like, oh, my God. And, like, you know, make a big deal about it mm-hmm. or something like that. Well, we ha- they, they did have some wrestlers mention it uh, through the night. And well wishes to both of them. Yeah, yeah. And they and sold that, that pretty well. That, that was a good touch, too. But, I mean, you have, instead of showing it over and over again on Raw and SmackDown, because I think they overshowed it a little but also just to have the wrestlers there, like, making a big deal on their way to do their job. Yeah. And, you know, like you know, you're right there. What made it good was the was the shock factor. No pun intended. Okay. Uh, you know, you didn't expect Oh, there was a pun happen. intended. Okay, there was. Well, imagine, imagine, imagine you walk into work uh, tomorrow and uh, part of the building's collapsed right next to the front door. Are you just going to walk by? Or are you going to, like, look at him and, oh, man, what happened here? And you go upstairs say, does anybody know what happened downstairs at the front door? <laughs> you know? Yeah, that, yeah, that is true. That is true. I would, yeah. I would, I would be curious. Most of them least. are just walking by just like it's not even there. Yeah. Another day in WWE Universe. You know, I, I even think that it would be a, a good idea to maybe uh, on the next Raw not have it fixed yet. They're going to have it fixed, but... Well, being that it's in another city, you know, you don't just set up the broken stuff in another city. No, but th- those things are very expensive. You haven't got a chance to replace it yet. Mm-hmm. So you just have a, a whole, maybe you have it, maybe it's a, a more of a, um, a a pronounced shape as well. Maybe they took out some other LEDs that could be dangling or something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you don't have anything to put in there yet because... You have to get those LED fixes. There is rumor that they are uh, going to unveil a new Raw stage in the coming weeks, too. So this could be part of that. Yeah. Yeah. A good way to get rid of the old one. Anyway, let's go ahead and uh, move on to the next story uh, that I feel is worth talking about. And that's The Undertaker back on uh, Raw with Lightning Effect. Yeah, Drew and Shane come out. They pretty much called out The Undertaker. He had a couple of lightning bolts in the ring, which we haven't seen since 90s or maybe early 2000s. Yeah. And then they, they leave the ring, and The Undertaker comes out. He cuts a, a rather long promo. That was probably a little too long. He could have done a, a little bit shorter. Uh, I don't think we needed to hear that Roman Reigns didn't ask for his help. Maybe Roman Reigns didn't need to ask for his help because Undertaker's always there to help the, you know, to fix injustices or something like that. Yes. That was interesting yes. that Roman Reigns wasn't on Roll or SmackDown either this week. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I, I thought it was a pretty good segment, and uh, I liked that they brought back the lightning. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a smart that's a smart thing, and same thing with uh, Sami Zayn not being on either show. You know, give the crowd a break from him. You know, you've touched on that before, too. I agree with you, but I don't think it should be necessarily something – where one week off, one week on. No, no. I think it should know, be something where, like, because like, Finn Balor wasn't on either show either, and neither was Shinsuke Nakamura, even though they teased those two last week at possibly having a match, which I think everybody's excited about the the possibility there. Um, uh, but, you, you know, maybe after uh, Extreme Rules, when the storyline finishes, Roman gets a couple weeks off mm-hmm. or something, you know? He was Sammy. He can be off TV because he's not. He, his storyline is kind of finished right now. He, he doesn't have an active storyline. Uh, Finn Balor. You just teased him last week after having a couple weeks off. So why not follow up with that this week? 
you know, I, like I still th- I still think you should have uh, uh, guys on the shows less, but just, you know, like have blocks of it. Don't have like one week off, one week on. Yeah, yeah. you know, you're right. You're right. But, you know, they, you know, they try to give, uh, they, they, it looks like they're trying to give uh, some screen time to uh, some of the guys who didn't get a lot of screen time. And, and that's fine. But if you see uh, Mike Kanellis and Maria, uh, Maria Kanellis show up this week, in a storyline, and then they're gone next week again. What good did that do anybody? I'd rather That's see. True. I'd rather see the Roman Reigns Shane McMahon storyline finish, and with Drew McIntyre and Undertaker finish at Extreme Rules, and then you have the other people come up, and those people take a step back, maybe film a movie or something. Speaking of Maria and Mike Kanellis, um, there is a, an angle on Monday Night Raw which might, some might consider controversial. Um, you had uh, pretty much uh, Becky and Seth Rollins doing an interview backstage where they look like maybe the fakest couple that's actually a real couple that I've ever seen on TV. Um, Mike and Maria show up saying that they're upset that they're being that uh, um, Becky and Seth are being called the the number power one couple. power couple in the WWE. And because they're the power couple, because they've been here longer, and they're married, and they've been together longer. And this leads to a match between the, the four of them in a mixed tag match. Uh, Seth Rollins beats the crap out of Mike Kanellis, tags in uh, Becky Lynch, who goes after Maria, who runs out of the ring, grabs a microphone, and claims that she's pregnant. Triple H tweeted out earlier today that they are indeed expecting a child. So I don't know if this is a work or not. I like the angle. Uh, Mike Canales ends up tapping out to the man, Becky Lynch. And then Maria goes on quite a rant, degrading her husband, talking about the next time she wants to be impregnated, maybe she'll have the man do it because she's more man than her husband. Uh, I love this stuff. I thought yeah, it was yeah. What's your opinion? I thought it was entertaining. Okay. Uh, does this uh, make uh, Canales a face? Well, it gets uh, Maria off the uh, show for a while, or, do, or does he show up again on on Raw to just go back down two hundred five live? Well, they were apparently they're on two hundred five live yesterday, continuing the storyline. Uh, just the two of them, or they're half of the storyline. I'm sure if they're on Raw again this week, they'll catch us up what happened on two hundred five live, mm-hmm. which is a good idea because for people like you and I who aren't wasting our time watching two hundred five live, if we know a storyline we're interested in on Monday Night Raw is continuing on two hundred five live, guess what we're probably doing? Watching two hundred five live. Yeah. Anyway, though, I, I do find it interesting here because in the past when they announced that somebody is um, pregnant. Yes. Uh, they they're immediately like not allowed by ringside or in any physical harm at all because mm-hmm. they want to avoid any kind of accident or anything which could cause uh, harm to the unborn baby. Right. So if she is expecting to put her on the ring apron like that, you know, is it, very risky. Yes, it is. Yes, you it know is. what? It, what? It, what if she slips jumping down off the ring apron there? Trying to avoid Becky Lynch mm-hmm. gets hurt or something. That could happen. So it does. I do question if if uh, if Triple H was just trying to help sell the story on Twitter or if this is a legit pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give I'll 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 give it the benefit of the doubt for now. Okay, we'll see what happens though. But it's something I'm very interested in. Yeah. But. Uh, uh, well, let's talk about a couple more things on Monday Night Raw here. Uh, the first is they brought in the Street Profits. 
um, who'd had a couple backstage segments, one with Paul Heyman, uh, one where they're doing an interview. I thought their uh, promos were a little weird, a little all over the place. And mm-hmm. I think it's too early to bring them up. They just won the titles. There's no need to bring them up. You have plenty of tag teams. You just have to use them right. Yeah. And, and you'll let the Street Profits be the kings of 205 Live for the time being. Or not 205 Or, or NXT. Even. NXT for the time being. Um, so I, I don't necessarily like that. Of course, if they use them right and it ends up being like you know entertaining, then that's fine. But I think they should have stayed down there. They should have fought to stay down there. Um, and then finally, the main event on Monday Night Raw was a rematch between uh, Ricochet and AJ Styles, this time for the U.S. title. Uh, this is something they teased throughout the night as Gallows and Anderson was pretty much egging on the two of them to where they got worked up and they both challenged each other by slapping each other in the face. Uh, AJ actually won this match the first time, but Ricochet's foot was underneath the ropes. Uh, one of the re- Another referee comes out to point that out to the main referee. They take a commercial break, and guess what they do after the commercial break? Restart the match. Restart the match. AJ ends up losing this, uh, the I guess, second fall to a, to a roll-up. And then afterwards, uh, Gallus and Anderson come out, egg him on again, talk about wanting to see the real AJ. AJ turns heel, beats the crap out of Ricochet. Gallus and Anderson, the good brothers, jump in there and they help. Then they all do too sweet as uh, the show goes off the air. Uh, I love heel AJ. I think it was time for him to turn back to a heel. What do you think? I agree with you. It should, it, it, he makes a very good heel. He he's he's kind of obnoxious as a face too. So I like the heel AJ. Okay, a heel that can wrestle that, that well. Okay, and uh, you know I thought I thought the matches were the the match was was extremely good. You can watch uh, Ricochet against AJ all day. You know they just jump jump all over the place. Uh, they'll be uh, they'll be they'll. Uh, Ricochet will be putting the title up, I'm sure, for uh, possibly over extreme rules against AJ. Okay, and uh, an interesting rumor that I heard was that the Good Brothers are, have or are about to sign a new contract. I heard that as well. Uh, apparently, they have not signed yet, but they have agreed to terms. Yes, and you know the thing is that part of their part of the reason why they were why they weren't signing was because they weren't being used. So now they're being used. Yeah, I, I think they're waiting to see how this angle works out because the last thing they want to do is sign and then not be used immediately again. Yeah, uh, really. One thing I will say is I think the fact that uh, there's new leadership on the creative team with Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff on Raw and SmackDown, respectively, um, there can be promises made to certain talent to be factored in more that might... Um, might might uh persuade people like the revival um and the good brothers to renew their contract or resign or persuade others to come in um speaking of paul Heyman, this was supposedly the first show under his leadership of monday night raw uh our friends over at what culture i believe sam roberts as well Myself and you all know feel that we notice a difference, uh, the Heyman effect, as we can call it. Um, yeah, I think that the start of the show with the explosions was a uh, Heyman effect. Uh, some salty language being used mm-hmm. uh, seemed to be more of an extreme concept to it. Yeah, it was more. It was more of a. Uh, it, it was more of an R rating than a PG. Yeah, and Heyman has um Heyman has a 
uh, a signature with more of an extreme, rough style, uh, pushing the boundaries style to his creative that I feel was um, very noticeable here. And you can feel that effect. Uh, what do you think uh, of the show overall and how do you feel Heyman affected it? Well, I think the show was very good. Uh, if, it's, if this was Heyman's first show, he started off with a bang, pun intended. Okay, uh, you know, of course, uh, Heyman is a creative genius. He's uh, every bit the creative genius that Vince McMahon is, but he's, uh, he's, uh, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't hold back as much, okay? And because he's working right with creative as the executive producer, he's going to make them work on good angles. So I think this is going in a good place. Yeah, apparently from what I'm hearing, he had a lot, he worked with uh, Rousey a lot during her year run as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, looking back on it, I think that was evident the more she went along too. Yeah. Um. So th- that was pretty good. I I, uh, I like how after uh, the first segment there with uh, Strowman and Lashley, um, you could hear not only did you hear Graves say "Holy shit." But the crowd was chanting, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. They also did a 10 count at one point, counting both guys out. Because yeah. this is yeah, uh, the yeah, second match good. that they didn't finish. Because uh-huh. uh, there was no winner here. And then they still haven't been eliminated from that fatal four-way elimination match. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at one point, I think it was during this part two. It may have been later on. It may have been both. There was a thank you, Heyman chant. I missed the thank you, Heyman chant. I did catch the oh shit, the holy shit chant. I checked and I caught all the other chants. Yeah, so uh, I think you know. Let's see where it goes from here. Hopefully that they saw what they they liked, and um, and hopefully it continues. I I, I think from everything I, I've read on the internet, my own personal take on it, your take on it, I feel like Raw was very successful this week. Mhm. Now let's move on to SmackDown. Okay. Uh, SmackDown starts off with the Kevin Owens show. And uh, it seemed kind of like Kevin Owens is turning face here, in my opinion. Uh, Some other pundits on the internet who uh, talk about wrestling uh, and have shows seem to get that insinuation as well. Just the way he uh, uh, was talking to Shane McMahon, reading off the cards, purposely screwing him up. Same way The Miz did. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the way he addressed both of McIntyre and McMahon, the way he addressed Ziegler when Ziegler came out to um, interrupt, uh, it, it seemed like they were, uh, he, he was turning face there a bit. Uh, even at the end of the night, when he had uh, the tag team match with him and Ziegler versus Heavy Machinery, winner would be added to the triple threat match between Daniel Bryan, Rowan, and the New Day for the tag titles. Um, you know, even after that, when Ziggler accidentally kicked him, he stunned him afterwards, uh, after the match, and people were chanting one more time. So uh, yeah, it seems yeah. like they may be turning him face again. The only issue I have with turning him face again is you, you you brought him back face, you turned him heel, and if you turn him again, is this like is this uh, Kevin Owens or is this the Big Show? Yeah, <laughs> really, I was just thinking that. <laughs> now. I would say that if they do indeed turn him face, it would be a waste. I, you know, Owens Owens does pretty good as a face, but he is absolutely tremendous as a heel. Okay, you know, he's he's got he's got the old time 
uh, he'll he'll stick down. And to make a face out of him would be a mistake. He he he's a guy who does good at both. I enjoyed him as a face earlier. I always enjoy him as a heel. Uh, it's it just they're they're very similar characters with just slightly different tones. That makes one a heel, one a face for for him. Yeah. Um, but he's one of those guys where I think there's a plethora of heels right now, so you need more faces. A lot of times you get a plethora of faces, you need more heels. Um, so uh, th- this could be uh, an Eric Bischoff influence, because I know Eric Bischoff likes to turn people face and who are heels and heels who are faces mm-hmm. uh, to, so they don't get too stale. Um, but, you know, I'm looking forward to it. One thing I will point out is that uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn won their last tag match uh, against the New Day at Stomping Grounds. So how are they not already in the match for the tag team titles is beyond me. But the New Day is? I don't. I, I can't answer that. But I do know that uh, last week, didn't Owens uh, walk out on Zayn uh, during a six-man tag team match? Yeah, I think that was last week. And here's the other thing is, uh, I know Sami Zayn wasn't on this week's show, but, you know, that sounds like a storyline that should be followed up on. Why Why isn't Sami Zayn on the show confronting Kevin Owens? You know, saying, I haven't seen you since you walked out on me last week. What the hell? And then Owens is like, look, I, I'm just over it, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then you, you start a feud there. I, I'm sure Zayn's going to get involved helping Ziggler against Owens here, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, let's um, move on to uh, the second thing that I think was uh, notable, and there's not a lot on, on SmackDown, in my opinion. Uh, well, you had Nikki Cross hosting a moment of bliss and for uh, Alexa Bliss featuring Bailey, and that led to a match. That was okay. Um, you had Ember Moon versus Mandy Rose, where Ember wins. That was okay, too. Uh, but the other big one was Kofi and Samoa Joe go face-to-face in the ring, cut a couple of vicious promos on each other. Uh, Samoa Joe says he won't do anything to Kofi's family if Kofi would just shake his hand, which seems pretty reasonable to me. Kofi gives him the finger instead, uh, which they showed unblurred. Uh, so that's a, another. It seems like a Heyman effect more than a Bischoff yeah, effect, or a Stone, or a Stone Cold effect. Yeah, I thought this was good. Uh, I hope they don't overdo it a little bit, and it makes me look more fo- uh, forward to the match a little more. Mhm. You know, it should it should be interesting. Uh, you know. Uh, I expect that uh, I expect that uh, Extreme Rules should be a halfway decent ma- uh, halfway decent card, which usually means when we have higher expectations, it's going to suck. Okay, but uh, you know, it was uh, you know that that was a pretty interesting uh, back and forth there. Okay, also uh, the Heavy Machinery uh, Owens and Ziegler match, you know, which of course ended with uh, with. Owens uh, stunning Ziegler after after he got pin, after after he got pinned, okay. And uh, you know I thought that was a good match, okay. Heavy heavy machinery always, you know I I like watching him because they show off a lot of good moves that guys that size don't normally pull. Yeah, both them and the Viking uh, Raiders. Um, how athletic the big guys are, because I mean let's be honest, they do. Uh, their athleticism isn't on par to Ricochet or AJ Styles, but for their size, it's more impressive. Yes, you know, and you know, I know neither one of us could do what they do. Well, speak for yourself. <laughs> anyway, um, 
we, we talked about the noticeable Heyman effect on Monday Night Raw. And my question to you, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, is did you notice a Bischoff effect on SmackDown? And if so, what was it? Because I believe Heyman has a signature. Anything that comes off as a little more edgy and extreme seems like Heyman had his fingerprints all over it. But Bischoff, unless you uh, bring out uh, all the stars from Raw over to SmackDown and they form a, a new uh, federation that's going to take over or something, I, I don't know what his signature would be where it would be evident on, on a show like this. Uh, maybe, maybe he hasn't stepped into the role quite as heavily as Heyman has, or maybe uh, it's just not quite as noticeable as clearly as Heyman's is. Well, what are your okay. thoughts? Well, my thoughts first off, uh, you know, Heyman got uh, got the uh, call for, as a, as the executive producer. He was already involved in Raw. Okay, he was involved with uh, Brock Lesnar, and you know, and so he had he had a good idea on what was going on there. So it was easy for him to pick it up. Uh, whereas Bischoff came in from the outside after being away for several years, really. And, you know, it's going to take him a little bit of time to get up to speed there. Okay, uh, rumor has it that you won't see a strong Bischoff effect until after Extreme Rules, which uh, which I would find perfectly acceptable, you know, because he's got, you know, he's got a lot of ground to, uh, a lot of ground to cover there. Uh, also, the Bischoff effect is going to be different than the Heyman effect, you know, and that's by design because... The uh, uh, you know SmackDown is supposed to be tamer than Raw, okay. Well, Raw and SmackDown should feel like different shows. Yes, uh, exactly. Especially since they're moving to different networks. Yeah. Um, if you told me that Heyman had his hands all over Raw this week and Bischoff had very little to do with SmackDown, I am fine with that. Mm-hmm. If you told me Bischoff was as heavily involved in SmackDown as Heyman was in Raw, I'm gonna say, uh oh. Yeah, no, he was he he had very little to do with SmackDown this week. Okay, are you, are you making an assumption there, or do you have a fact to back it up? How, where are you getting this source from? Are you just just from what I saw on the internet. Okay, and you quote a source there, or like what what are you seeing? Are you uh, reading fans' twitters? Is this from Dave Meltzer? Well, where are you getting your information? Uh, I got it from Wrestling Observer. Okay, okay so Dave Meltzer. Uh-huh. Which is fine. I just want to know. I just want to know if you're forming your opinion based on what you saw, an educated guest with mm-hmm. nothing to back it up, or if you actually getting this from a dirt sheet, an insider. Maybe you have uh, uh, Bruce Pritchard on speed dial. <laughs> you know, I almost, I almost bought you a shirt for Father's Day last year from Bruce Pritchard just so he'd give you a phone call eventually. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> But you know, but you know, the point is, is uh, you're going to see the Bischoff effect a little more, uh, a little more uh, gradual, and Bischoff is not as edgy as, uh, it's not as edgy as uh, Heyman. His style isn't quite as edgy. It's, it's more, it's more refined. Okay, uh, I think you'll see uh, better storylines on SmackDown because Bischoff is going to demand that. He's not, you know, one of the reasons why. Uh, WCW failed wasn't because of Bischoff. It was because uh, when 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 uh, when Turner sold sold out to uh, AOL and they became Time Warner and all that stuff. Uh, basically, uh, it fell into the hands of uh, pe- of, pe- of people executives that didn't understand wrestling. Okay, they didn't understand wrestling and that suffered. Okay. Uh, Another thing that uh, hurt it was that the inmates started running the asylum, which isn't a good idea. 
That and they didn't know how to end the NWO because instead of ending it, they broke it into like seven different factions, anywhere from Wolfpack to the Blue World Order to the Latino World Order. Mm-hmm. So uh, and, and then they just ran into the ground and made a joke of it, which took away from it a lot. Anyway, yeah. Dad, I think we're about done with this episode. A couple things that uh, we should probably mention uh, before we get out of here is well, actually, maybe the only thing is. Uh, Alistair Black, apparently that cliffhanger they left us on last week on who knocked at the door. They didn't pay that off this week because we went to go answer the door because he took a sweet time, apparently. person was gone, so he said if they have any guts, they'll show up on uh, at Extreme Rules to face them. So he's, if you're going to do that, it has to be a big payoff. And yeah. It can't, it can't be somebody from the back. I think it has to be somebody we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, my question would be, are they ever going to let him out of his room? Yeah, maybe not. Um, outside, of that, is there any last thing you want to mention before we get out of here? Well, I will say that my expectations of WWE right now are very high. Okay, I expect I expect a, a very good performances there. I expect to see very positive things from the Heyman effect and the Bischoff effect. Uh, I want to I want to see better pay per views. You know, they've got some other competition coming, and if they don't get their act together, they're going to be in big trouble. Yeah, uh, I thought Fighter Fest was pretty good. It, it was a good second pay per view. I think they'll do pretty well with um, w- with uh, their weekly show in October. Uh, I think I'm also excited about the new direction that WWE could be going in with Heyman and Bischoff at the the helm, which means that we're definitely going to be disappointed in it. Uh, I think I, I speak for you as well when I say we'd like to wish everybody a happy 4th of July tomorrow. Please be safe. Don't blow off any fingers. Don't shoot any more mortars into your forearms. that will leave a permanent scar. Uh, we won't mention names on that, will we? No, Andrew doesn't listen to this anyway. Andrew Sklar, who lives in Jacksonville, Florida, doesn't listen to the podcast, so there's no way he's going to know we're talking about him. And uh, if he is listening, he can always tweet us and let us know at WrestlingHS316 or Big Steve Injax1. It's probably just easier for him to text one of us, though. And remember, hindsight is always 2020.